Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach Personal Finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful William Rassman. Will, are you ready to do this? I'm ready. Excellent. Let's do this. Will is a CFP. He is a wealth advisor at Centric Capital Advisor. He serves on the advisory committee of Young Atlas, and he is the author of Atlas Shift. I'm excited to have you on. Will, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. So thanks so much for having me on. Uh, I am about, I say, you know, a little bit over a decade into my career. Uh, I started in May of 2008 uh, on Wall Street in New York City uh, after going to college in that beautiful city, um, which I seem to kind of grow tired of and and kind of wore me down a bit. Um, I grew up in the Midwest and. Um, you know, and kind of bounced around. I played, I played hockey uh, growing up, so that was that's kind of my thing, and uh, I still play to this day. Nice. Um, and so May of 2008, um, you know, some of us remember it, some of us don't. Um, I remember it quite clearly. Uh, you know, everyone says the sky is falling, and and I remember looking out. I I worked at at one uh, sorry one New York Plaza. Um, I remember looking out and seeing the ticker tape and you see all the red, all the red. And then every once in a while, a little blip of green would pop up. <laughs> and, um, you know, everybody kept saying, you know, the, the sky's falling and, and I couldn't help but, but you know, pay attention to those little blips of green. And so eventually I ended up, uh, I was current, I was working at a, a firm called Smith Barney, which that name no longer exists. Um, but I moved over to Merrill Lynch and uh, moved out to Los Angeles and uh, I worked at Deutsche Bank for a little while, uh, working on the options and offshore securities desk and uh, trading Forex and all sorts of stuff. And um, so I have, a, I have a broad kind of institutional pedigree. Uh, in 2015, I started, um, helped start the company that uh, I'm currently um and partner in, uh, it's called Centric Capital Advisors. Uh, we're a boutique wealth advisory firm, you know, uh, advising what most people would consider rich people. And, um, but then also, um, kind of broadening our product base to help out those, uh, the young professionals, we call them Henry's high earners, not rich yet. Um, in, uh, and then just recently at the beginning of this year, wrote a book uh, called Young Atlas, Mastering Your Financial Experience in the Post-Information Age. And in it, I outline some of the ideas and some of the, the stories that have brought me to kind of my current take on wealth management. And um, I think that most people would find that it it's a, it's a bit different um, and uh, – but, you know – Difference okay, especially when in such a rapidly changing world. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And it certainly is a very, very rapidly changing world with technology and well, just, just a million things certainly driving uh-huh. change and certainly in the, uh, in, in, in the financial world. So, well, tell us a little bit about what that, uh, what that current take is. Yeah, so what I... So, so I in my in my book I like to draw upon 
you know, I'm, I like to draw upon philosophy and economics and history and psychology and, you know, all of these things that, uh, you know, are a little bit more esoteric. And I think that a lot of times when people are searching for financial advice, they just want, what should I do now? Right. It's like, what, what is the next thing? And I purposefully, you know, in my book kind of go back and touch upon those things because I think that, you know, we're in kind of in such an instant gratification world that, uh, it helps to go and have some foundation as to, you know, why and how we got to where we are. So you know, I talk about the, you know, tribal times and the agricultural revolution, the industrial revolution, and and how each throughout each of those times there was always something that we considered as the most important commodity, right? So for a long time, for for hundreds of thousands of years, really the most important thing to us was food. Right. And then as we kind of figured that out, you know, agrarian culture, you know, became, you know, kind of everybody was doing it and we domesticated crops and animals. And in all of a sudden we kind of turned our attention towards things. Right. And so that's kind of where the industrial revolution kind of was born is to kind of let's let's shuttle the most amount of things to the most amount of people as we can. And um, so. And a lot of that had to do with, you know, technology and the advent of the steam engine and all this really cool stuff. And then it seemed as if, you know, after everybody kind of got enough things, at least in the U.S. and for uh, for discussion's sake, let's just talk about, about you know, North America. Um, after people got enough things, it seemed to be that they they didn't have enough time or didn't have enough attention or didn't have enough information. And I think that's kind of where that demand I, I believe that demand always precedes supply and and people demanded you know to be able to, to kind of know everything all at once and so the information age came along and you know which was helped in huge part by the advent of the internet and all of this stuff and in you know some people say you know we've been in the information age since 1970 um you know it doesn't feel quite as long for me because a lot of these things that we kind of think that are ubiquitous with the information age. Um, I didn't really start using until, you know, a little bit before the year 2000, probably. Um, so, but, I mean, let's put that aside and let's just say, okay, if we're in the information age, maybe we're on the back end of it. And we're eventually going to be shifting into something that's a, a little bit different. And so what I kind of propose is that we're moving into what I call the specialization age. And that people continue to get more and more narrow in what they do because, you know, the diversification of of labor really has done wonderful things for us, and, and we're going to continue continue to get more and more narrow. And so, but in the the important part about this very long winded story is that in the specialization age, the most important commodity is attention, and that's brought about by the fact that everything there are so many things in today's world vying for our attention and it's our most limited resource it's even more limited than time because not all of the time can you pay attention and so i always tell people you know that thing in your pocket that everyone carries around which is a smartphone there is you know like 120 different companies that 
are vying for your attention just through that device. None, you know, putting aside the people in your family and the people in your community and, you know, um, so, so with that foundation, uh, attention being the most important commodity, what do you do about that in regards to your finances? And I argue that the best thing to do is find an experience that you'll engage with because if you don't, everything's going to – most things happen by default if you don't design them to be so. So um, it's more important than ever to pay attention to your financial world and to engage with it in the way that you, know, you deem fit so that you can actually move towards the things that you want to do or else the market's just going to kind of put you in – the place where it thinks that you should go. And um, for most people, that's probably not the place that they want to go. I, Amen, brother. I think that I, I, <laughs> I completely agree that uh, I think that there is an absolute war raging right now for our attention, for our mm-hmm. time, and, and for our money, certainly. But to your point, our attention is probably the most valuable thing that we have. And if we're not intentional about what we allow to control our, our mind, what we focus our energy on, that it's going to be an algorithm. It's going to be big, mm-hmm. big data that's that's that, that's going to program us and push us in the direction that they want. Exactly. And so, what I I then go on to, you know, I'm making it sound like this is you know like a very thick book. It's actually <laughs> not. It's it's you know a couple hundred pages. And but I I, I eventually get around to the very pithy advice around talking about, you know, kind of what to do with, you know, kind of this newfound knowledge or, or awareness. And one of them would be that, or, or the big one that I would, um, you know, that I, I continue to talk about, on um, you know, really to whoever will listen to me is that the, the important part about the whole attention thing is that you have to find the experience that kind of lies on the razor's edge between too difficult and too easy because there's something else waiting to take its place if you decide to give up on it. Does that make sense? So it's like, it's like, so there's something that you have in front of you and, and you may find it too easy, right? And it's just not worth your time. So your phone rings and then you're off onto something else or you're, there's something in front of you that's too difficult and you're like, man, I, I don't even know where to begin on this. And your phone rings and you're off to, onto something else. It's like, where is that razor's edge where it is just hard enough that that it you engage with it and it's easy enough that you, you kind of know what to do? It's like, that is the place where you want your financial attention to be. And people think like, I think a lot of times, especially with problems, it's like okay, what's the easiest way? What's the easiest way to solve this problem? That's not always the best solution. We actually find that you know sometimes the things that are the hardest are really the most worthwhile. So, but they can't be so hard that you know you have no idea what to do. Right. So, so juggling this, and and you can do this actually very succinctly in a financial sense is aim yourself towards the goals that that seem about right, you know? Not like, you know, I'm gonna be a billionaire by the time I'm 31, but 
you know, maybe I have, you know, a, a nice house and a good amount of, of money in the bank by, you know, 35 and, and, you know, put some actual real number, you know, dollars around that, right? That the whole smart goal thing came out for a reason, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, time oriented, like all of that, all of that stuff. But, but it's extremely important as to that you, that you're aimed at something that is going to keep your attention. Because I argue that, you know, as advisors, one of the, one of our top jobs is being a, what I call a stick to coach, making sure that you stick with the plan. Because if I could make, you know, the most wonderful financial plan that you've ever seen, but if you don't execute on it, it's just a piece of paper. And, um, and so, you know, I talk about, you know, some other kind of very real ways that, that you can go about doing that. But that's really my, my overarching message is, is, um, don't quit before the magic happens. Well, I appreciate everything you just said. And it seems that just maybe talking about the same thing and maybe just a little bit of a different way, it's so important to have a criteria for understanding what's most important and what's not too hard and not too easy so that when you mm-hmm. see it, you can identify it. Exactly. And so, I talk about this in in the book at one point. What I usually do with, or what I always do with my clients, um, you know, whether they come in as centric capital clients or they come in as young analyst clients, uh, we do a version of, of a discovery meeting, and I call it, you know, I, I kind of jokingly call it to to some people, uh, financial therapy. So you sit down and you go through, you know, about ninety minutes worth of questions. It's like sixty something, sixty six questions. And it's it's different questions about money-related things like values and interests and relationships and processes and and goals and all of the different things that that money touches. Because I think that one of the things that's wrong with our current industry and the way that it stands is that we're too quick to give advice and too slow to learn about the client it's like you're you're sorry the product that you're that first comes to mind for a client is might not be in their best interest they might be suitable for it but there's a there's a big there's a big difference between suitability and and best interest and then that being you know you're probably suitable to to eat you know a triple cheeseburger right now. But is that <laughs> is that in your best interest? Right. Right? I mean there's and though that's a big it's a big discussion in our industry right now is is what where should the the line lie for advisors? Should it be a suitability standard or should it be a best interest standard? And I wholeheartedly believe that it, it should be a best interest standard because we need to get away from pushing products in people's faces. So Anyway, back to my discovery meeting. So discovery meeting, sitting down with a client, you know, sometimes it's a couple, and you're talking about all these different things that money touches. After it's done, I create what I call a total client profile or a mind map for them. And it regurgitates all of the things that we talked about over that hour and a half therapy session. That's a pretty darn good platform to plan from. Because 
you've you've learned you know enough or in the client has has you know kind of throughout the process learned a little bit about themselves and the financial baggage that they bring from the past and you know maybe oh, one of the funniest stories I'm not sure if I put this in the book or not I think I, I don't think I did I was sitting down with uh, a couple you know in their you know maybe probably mid 50s kind of recent empty nesters type of couple and they one of the questions in my discovery meeting is how much money do you want or need as a very very open-ended question it's right. like crazy and so they both look at each other and at the very same instant one says five million and the other says five hundred thousand and from there right started an entire discussion about why do you need five million dollars and how do you think we're going to get by on five five hundred thousand and that's a i mean i mean that's a real discussion that they probably should have had probably 20 years earlier Mm -hmm. but I mean, let's let's tackle all that stuff now and get on the right path now because, I mean, who knows where and in, in how much more quickly this economy is going to, to move. I mean, it's, um, it's important to and, – and this is really kind of where the Atlas part of, of Atlas shift comes in is you know, Atlas was the Greek titan assigned with the responsibility of holding up the sky – that's a big responsibility. I think that your duty to your finances is just as big. And it's time to voluntarily accept that responsibility and let's get on it. No, I, I, I very much love that. And I think that uh, the more we can take ownership of it and the sooner, absolutely the better. So I think that that's great. Mm-hmm. Well, Will, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? So... My difference-making tip would be, and this is something that I that I kind of outline in my book if you want to get a little bit more detailed on it, but I'll leave it more open-ended for the listeners in that – so Perry Markowitz has been in the news lately if you're if – you, you know, if you follow kind of the financial news. He, he did an, an interview and so if you, if you don't know who he is, Harry Markowitz is the, the godfather of modern portfolio theory and – if you know anything about modern portfolio theory, it basically says that if you diversify your assets across, you know, kind of the spectrum of assets, so you have, you know, you have stocks and you have bonds and you have international stocks and you have international bonds and you have, you know, large, mid and small cap and you have, you know, all sorts of stuff that if you diversify across that, then you are going to, to get a better risk adjusted return, meaning that you can, for lower risk, you can get a better return. Um, given that we are in a even more connected, interconnected global economy and the correlations between all of the different assets of the world have skyrocketed, how, what other ways can you mitigate risk in your investment portfolio? If diversification doesn't work anymore, which some people, which, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm arguing that, and I think other people have argued that as well. What types of other things can you do to shield yourself from the next next market downturn? And um, and there's, and, and the answer to it is 
what one of the answers to it is strategy diversification. And so, um, I'll leave it at that. that. That's the breadcrumb trail right there. Well, that is great stuff. That definitely gets, come on, come on. <laughs> Will, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you and where can they get a copy of the book? Sure. The book is on Amazon. So if you just type in Atlas Shift in Amazon, it should pop up. I also have a book website, atlasshift.com. Um, I have a personal website, willrassman.com. Um, and on there, you can kind of be able to connect with me through any of my social, on, on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn, all, all of what everyone's on. Um, and I'd love to you know, continue the conversation if especially if you take issue with any of the things that I said, because, um, you know, I, I love to, you know, kind of talk about these ideas and debate them. And, um, you know, it's important to think about where we're going and that's, that's what I'm focused on right now. Love it. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Will your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to willrasman.com. Pick up a copy of the book and engage with him on his ideas. Thank you again, Will. Thank you so much, George. Appreciate it. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on! <laughs>